Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. It's been a little bit of a hiatus for us, at least on the football front. We've been running uh, our side hustles a little bit as far as the uh, the other sports podcasts go. But Cody, how have you been? feel like it's been a while since we've talked, especially about the NFL. How, uh, how are things? Yep, there we go. We that's a nice, nice welcome back, man. You forget to unmute after you have to do all the clicking with the <laughs> hey, keyboard. you know, awesome. All right, yeah, we are back. It has been a little bit, but uh, we are ready to roll. So, uh, no, it's good to be back, man. It's been um, it's been a nice little break. Honestly, when I was thinking about doing this, it's almost like the start of season two. Like we had like a little like month break in between. It's like all right, let's get let's gear back up. It's mm-hmm. Ready to get this pod going again so i'm gonna go ahead and do a little shameless uh self-plug here after that air if you are listening make sure to share with another friend or two help get the word out there we are uh like i said going into season two i think this is a big year for growth for the podcast and for the both of us so if you are like i said if you're a loyal listener share it with somebody there's going to be some good bets in here there's going to be good bets all season long and just a lot of good information so again appreciate all the people that do it already like comment share all the good stuff Nick, if you want to, um, we could go straight into the NFL news unless you have anything else you want to bring up before we jump into it. Yeah, I think the only thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, we're going to be sprinkling in the other sports a little bit more too. So if you have interest in um, you know, the NBA, NHL, golf, I see Cody posting some TikToks uh, about different golf bets and whatnot. So uh, please keep your eyes open for that as well. Not just NFL. We are very uh, multifaceted here at the Fantasy Sports Podcast Network. But without further ado, let's jump into the NFL news that we have uh, not reacted to quite yet. Jalen Hurts, this one happened a couple weeks ago at this point, but he agreed to a five-year, $255 million extension. $171 $171 million guaranteed. It does not kick in until next year, actually, so he is on the fifth year of his uh, – or excuse me, the fourth year of his rookie contract. He did not go in the first round, so he does not have a fifth year. But uh, he's going to be tied to the Eagles for at least five more years uh, because the four, four years of that deal are guaranteed with uh, the way the money works out. Um, I don't have much reaction to this, honestly, uh, other than the fact that if you have Jalen Hurts in Dynasty, this is very good news because his uh, future is very secure. The rest of the options on that offense were probably already in pretty good standing uh, for the most part, so I don't really think this changes much for them. Uh, just good news for Jalen Hurts and probably good news for the Eagles. I'm sure this this deal looks like a lot right now, but trust me, three years from now, it's going to look yeah, like a bargain. Only only person this is bad news for is Lamar Jackson because you now have other quarterbacks coming in taking non-fully guaranteed contracts, which kind of makes the Ravens look like they yep. are – kind of doing the right thing by holding out, you know, depending on what side of the argument you take there. So kind of a little bit of a loss for Lamar Jackson, but I think he'll end up getting something figured out, you know, rather soon. I think, well, you know, when you see, when you have a contract, you know, it's a big contract like this, not fully guaranteed. It kind of swings things back towards the the con- the way contracts used to be structured and it makes Deshaun Watson's look like a complete outlier. So I think that'll you know, it hurts Lamar a little bit in the fully guaranteed realm, but I do think this will help him get to his final destination maybe a little bit quicker than if there wasn't another contract like this signed. True. Uh, I do think Jalen Hurts has a little more incentive to sign a deal, maybe at slightly less favorable terms, just because he does have a fourth year of his rookie deal still remaining that will pay him 
you know, pennies compared to this. I think it's like four and a half million against yep. the cap, which is obviously nothing compared to the 51 million he'll be making a year after that. So, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. He could go, he's technically a free agent right now, or he could sign a, uh, a franchise tag that would pay him around 35 million a year. That's the only difference, but I do agree. Uh, it does not help Lamar Jackson's case, especially because uh, reports are tricky, but if you believe them, the Ravens offered him a deal that was bigger than this in guaranteed money. Uh, the total money is about the same, but guaranteed money, I believe they, the reports are he was offered about 200 million over five yeah. years. So, um, you know, the Ravens might be sec- uh, second guessing <laughs> that when he comes back to the table. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, Cody, your boy, Jamison Williams suspended for six games among five NFL players suspended for placing sports wagers. Uh, A few of them were suspended for the year. None of them were of real note other than Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams kind of interestingly actually got suspended for placing a bet on a different sports league. I don't think it was announced what it was, but it was just because he was in the NFL facility while he did it. Uh, That's why he got suspended for only six games, not an entire year, but definitely uh, hurts his redraft stock quite significantly and, you know, not great for his dynasty owners either. What is Yeah, this is just, I, this bothers me to no end because the, I mean, the guys who got suspended for the full year bet on the NFL, which is why they got suspended. None of them are like players of like high note, like Calvin Ridley. So like them being suspended, it's probably worse for them because they're probably not going to get another opportunity like a Calvin Ridley's going to. But for, I mean, Jamison Williams, mm-hmm. I mean, all you got to do is leave the facility, man. Like, like what, like yeah, what was so the, silly. like you have to explain to me, like what was the line? What was the plus money you were getting that like you could not wait? Like you had to hammer that bet. I just, that part you can't get past for me. The other issue is I believe four out of the five that got suspended were Detroit Lions. So that kind of makes the Lions look a little, you know, iffy going into a season where they have higher expectations than normal. Um, so that's, I didn't really like to see that either, but yeah, Jameson Williams, man. I mean, you just, just leave the facility. Like you're not, you're doing, you can, in the NFL, you can bet on other sports. You you just cannot do it at the facility. Why? Like that's such a simple rule to, to follow. I feel like this is such a dumb, dumb way to get suspended. Yeah. I don't think there's much else to add there. Jameson Williams, very, very silly mistake there on his part. And even though it may seem trivial, uh, this is a rule that was probably explained to them, you know, many times. Especially over, with how popular just gambling can't is break now. it. Yeah. hundred percent. And with, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley getting suspended last year, it's something that I'm sure was hammered into the heads of all of the NFL players before the season started. And, uh, yeah, just, just really, really silly on Jamison Williams's part. Hopefully he comes back stronger, helps my Amon Ross St. Brown stock just a little bit though. So thank you for that. Cody, another one of your boys, Saquon Barkley. He is not participating in voluntary workouts right now. Does this worry you at all? I don't, know if I have much reaction to this. I think once you get past the NFL draft and the Giants, you know, don't select a running back, if they do, might worry me. But if they don't, I, I wouldn't really worry about this in a vacuum. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, what I wouldn't think? want my star running back really participating in voluntary workouts unless, I mean, if he's on a big contract, then yeah, you're going to want to want him there if you're paying him for it. But I mean, I feel like the Giants have a lot to answer. They kind of pull the last second, you know, signed Daniel Jones to what a lot of people think is a pretty big contract for him and then do the franchise tag on Saquon. So, you know, I I feel like Saquon's probably looking at it like, look at what Daniel Jones was, you know, those two years where I was injured in and out of the lineup versus what our team looked like last year with a healthy Saquon. And I think he's got a fair argument. You know, we'll see what other weapons they can add around Daniel Jones to see what they can do, but – 
I think things are going to be a little get a little bit more weird, but I do expect Saquon to play for the Giants this year. I think he'll end up there, but it's going to get a yeah, little, you, little tricky. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there with the Daniel Jones stuff. Uh, they, you know, they decided to probably slightly overpay uh, a B level quarterback, and when you do that, the the players around him that you know, may or may not think in their own space that they are the reason that player looks as good as he did. Uh, they're going to have to have to pony up. I think at some point the Giants are just going to have to pay Saquon Barkley, whether they like it or not. The only, you know, the only possible recourse they have is taking a running back in round one or two in this NFL draft. But that just does not seem very likely. Uh, I think, you know, that would be the only fear I'd have if I was a Saquon Barkley owner. Um, but beyond that, uh, I think this is just him, you know, using his leverage to get uh, a contract over a couple of years, which I think will end up getting done at some point this summer. Um, Rashad White, he was named RB1 and given a vote of confidence from the front office. Uh, does this give you any more uh, confidence in him moving forward? I, I would think Tampa Bay was at least in the running for Bijan Robinson, maybe still is, uh, and maybe or maybe, uh, you know, a second or third round running back beyond him. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on Rashad White and just this situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Rashad White's looked at as a bell cow back, so I'd imagine they're going to have to go get somebody in the draft because um, I don't think they've signed any like veteran running backs or anything like that this off season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool that he got the RB one, you know, vote of confidence. In my mind, that kind of probably takes them out of the Bijan uh, sweepstakes, depending on you know if he maybe falls further in the draft than what they're expecting, um, but. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Rashad White owner, you're happy right now. I mean, if you don't have a lot of confidence in the player, not too happy with what you saw last year, use this to help you trade them in a dynasty league or, you know, you can kind of use it. I would use this to your advantage depending on how either if you like Rashad or if you don't. If you like him, maybe go – if the guy's not as active in the offseason, go try and get Rashad at a discount. Maybe he didn't see this news come across. So that's what I would do with it. I don't think it's overall too much till we get past the draft. The draft will tell us a whole lot about what these teams are actually thinking and where they're going to be doing moving forward. Yeah, if you're a risk taker and you want to wait till after the draft, I think his value is going to either shoot up or completely collapse based on uh, them drafting a running back in the second or third round. Rashad White was a third round back, 91st pick off the board, so... That's not nothing for a running back. That's decent draft capital. Uh, so, you know, this is somebody they could actually roll with for a couple years, especially if he shows uh, improvement next year. Uh, and I think the the fact that they don't, you know, with Tom Brady, I could have seen them going out to get Bijan Robinson, like another skill position player, but it doesn't make much sense for them at this stage of where their franchise is at to go, uh, you know, take a first round running back. So I think, that helps me believe a little bit more in Rashad White, at least, you know, might not be on the best team, but he could have a decent sized workload, which is, you know, most of the time what you're looking for out of a fantasy running back. All right, Cody, the big one. This happened earlier today. Aaron Rodgers finally traded to the Jets. The Jets really gave in here, in my opinion, as far as the compensation goes. The Jets gave up the uh, the 13th pick in the draft, the 42nd pick in this draft, the 207th pick in this draft, and a 2024 conditional second-round pick that turns into a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this year, so probably a 2024 first unless Rodgers gets hurt. 
And the Jets got back Rodgers, the 15th pick in the draft in 170. So Green Bay moves up two spots this year in the first round, gets a second round pick, and probably a first round pick next year. That's basically what the compensation comes down to. And uh, honestly, the uh, the Green Bay Packers won this staring match because uh, the Jets, was, it was reported for a while here that they did not want to give up a first of any kind unless they got a guarantee on a second year from Aaron Rodgers. And they ended up giving up a first, uh, not in this draft, but next year, and they did not get any sort of guarantee on his uh, his year after this. So win for the Packers, and um, you know this is just a deal that we've expected for a while, so I don't think it really changes anything from what we expect. No, this, this exact news is the reason why a nice little month and a half break from the NFL is good, because this has been talked about, and this would have been talked <laughs> about if we made a weekly podcast probably 10 times in the past two months because of how many times it's hit the news cycle, so... I'm just thankful that it's finally over with and we can kind of just move past it, get to the draft. And I'm glad it wasn't a draft day trade because that's all they would have been talking about the entire draft was how Aaron Rodgers was traded then and stuff like that. So it's over with. I do agree the Packers won. The thing for me always was if you're the Packers, don't ever budge until you're getting what you think you should get for them because you have your quarterback in-house. So if Rodgers doesn't get his trades and chooses to retire, let him retire and go away. You have your quarterbacks. Now with the Jets, yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I with the Jets, I don't, I don't like giving up two firsts. I mean, for it to be a success for you, he has to play over sixty-five percent of snaps. So you're giving up next year's first, a second, and then a pick swap. I just think it's a lot. I think the Packers won pretty, pretty staringly. Pretty, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Packers won. I, I see. I think the Jets had the leverage here, in my opinion, because Rodgers could have forced the Packers' hand. I, I don't. I don't think they were going to move forward with Rodgers this year. And if he, you know, was still on the team come training camp, he could have showed up, and they would have had to pay him his fifty-one million. And I, I don't know if Gutenkus yeah. would have kept his job if he, you know, ended up having a fifty-one million dollar backup because it's, you know, this is not. A small market in the sense that, um, you know, well, it is a small market, but it's not the sense, you know, they're not, they're doing fine financially, but I'm not sure that the owners of the Green Bay Packers would be thrilled with, uh, you know, wasting $50 million and then not getting draft compensation. So if I was the Jets, I would have waited out the Packers, but I get it from their perspective. They don't want this to hang over their team uh, coming into training camp. They want to get Rodgers in the building. Uh, If you have Garrett Wilson, at least for this year, his stock is solidified. I would consider trading high on him. Uh, this is coming from a guy that has Garrett Wilson in a keeper league and loves him as a player, but his quarterback situation is very iffy beyond this year. And, you know, this has the potential to fall apart in year one as well, just because Aaron Rodgers is, as we all know, a very, let's say, interesting human being. So um, I, I would consider that if you get, you know, somebody that falls in love with this this uh, this situation and wants to give you the moon for girls. Yeah, you made a really good point there on the on the Jet side of things. I mean, from my perspective, it always seemed like it was Aaron Rodgers either wanted to be a Jet or retire. But you're right. It could have been a Jet or you're paying me $51 million and I'm just going to show up and make everything super awkward for you guys. So I, yeah, I really was not 100%. even thinking of that from the Jets' perspective. So, yeah, like I said, I'm just happy it's over with. We can move on from it, and hopefully everyone else does before the draft comes up this weekend. Yeah, we've given plenty of time to Aaron Rodgers on this podcast. We are going to do no more. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to our first segment for the NFL draft. We're going to each give you five players who have the most to lose or gain 
from this NFL draft cycle here. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit right off the top, Cody. That's Joe Mixon, the running back for the Bengals. There's a lot of ways this goes wrong for him and his fantasy value. There's rumors he might be cut entirely because of this whole legal situation and the fact that he just has not been that effective for being a you know pretty well-compensated running back. And I think the possibility of the Bengals adding a back in the second or third round is fairly high as well, which would probably tank his value. And uh, if he gets traded, that's almost never a good thing for a running back uh, in today's NFL. So. What do you think about Joe Mixon and his possible uh, rise or fall? Yeah, I, I don't really know how the the Bengals come out of this draft without drafting a running back, and I think they should probably invest in it, yeah. you know, in a second or third round pick because I, I mean, yeah, he has a whole legal situation going on outside of you know football right now as well. So lots of stuff going around with Joe Mixon, and like you said, I mean, whether he ends up traded or getting cut, whatever the case is, I think that Joe Mixon's on a very sharp decline and. I mean, if you can get anything for value, I would probably try to right now. That's very gleam because, I mean, there are sometimes these situations just go away. A player comes back and he comes back and performs fine. But I think, yeah, I mean, if they draft a running back, definitely just get what you can from them and, you know, try and cut bait. But I would do it before the draft because I'd bet on them taking a running back. Yeah, I mean, he's only 26. If, uh, you know, people- oh. All right, well, Nick's frozen, so I'm just going to go ahead and keep going here for just a second. You know what? Let's take this time real quick to actually do a quick little self-plug. If you're 17 minutes into this podcast, there's definitely no reason why you shouldn't be go ahead, you know, share it with somebody else. And you you heard me stumble over my words for about 30 seconds talking about the last thing. So the least you can do is share it on social media so that way everyone else can hear me fumble like a baffling idiot. Um, All right. Again, FanTC share it with somebody like comment comment what your favorite part of the podcast was comment on everything comment 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 like 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 get the interactions up that's that's what we need more than anything else um at this point in our growth stage but it looks like nick is still frozen probably gonna have to back out and load back in so i'm just gonna kind of keep going i'm not sure what to talk about i mean when it comes to joe mixon i mean y'all know what it is with joe mixon that guy's got some issues so I'm just going to go ahead and go into number one. I don't know if Nick's necessarily want to hear this or not, but my number one's Bijan Robinson. And the reason why I think Bijan could either, you know, rise or fall depending on where he goes is if he goes to a team like the Seattle Seahawks or Los Angeles Chargers that already have a relatively good to great running back, you know, he may end up being in a one-two combo punch this year as opposed to being a solo guy on his own team. So, if he goes to a Seattle or a Chargers, I could see him definitely, you know, I think he's still the 101 overall pretty easily, just a little bit concerning. And then on the flip side, if he goes to a spot that's RB needy, he can fill the hole and he could be the easiest 101 picks in rookie draft history for us. So, Nick, welcome back. I think I think I did pretty well. I think I held it down for that minute 30. So I think we're good. Uh, that'll be an interesting listen for those who make it past that. But <laughs> Not just us, um, Codes. It's the technology that's rusty as well. So uh, we've both had one. Hopefully, uh, you know, we got that out of the way and the rust has uh, oh. been shook off. But did you just uh, continue to your Bijan Robinson take uh, as far as the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with yeah, I pretty much everything you have on the note. those notes, mm-hmm. so... Perfect. Yeah, uh, awesome. let's go to number two then. All righty, my second one. I couldn't pick one player. It's all of the Chargers. Um, 
really think uh, there's a lot of ways this could go here. I think a skill position player being drafted in the first round is very likely for LA, both running back or wide receiver. I think if Bijan falls, this could be a very possible destination for him, and that would spell trouble for Austin Eckler for sure, and probably Bijan Robinson, as you just noted. And then uh, the wide receivers, if they draft a first-round or second-round wide receiver, it could really muddy the waters here, especially because they already have three uh, you know, pass catchers in the room there. I think especially Josh Palmer would probably just fall off the map as far as fantasy is concerned. And then depending on what type of wide receiver they were to draft, whether it's uh, you know an X receiver in Quentin Johnson or more of a slot guy like Zay Flowers, um, you know, that would affect either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen a little negatively, uh, respectively. So the Chargers, I think, are, you know, someone to watch for sure. And then conversely, Justin Herbert would gain some value if they were to draft a first or second round wide receiver, give him another weapon. Um, obviously, we saw last year what happened when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen missed large portions of the year. So uh, more weapons for Justin Herbert would never be a bad thing for his fantasy value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely concerned for the Chargers. I mean, as I noted with Bijan, I mean, Austin Eckler is a huge concern for me, um, especially with, you know, the Saquon news and, uh, you know, the Jamison news and just everybody else on my team just, you know, bringing headlines to us. So uh, my number two here, I'm just going to move on to Gabe Davis. Uh, Gabe Davis, for me, I think he's, this is a really big concern. I mean, he finishes the wide receiver 27 in fantasy. So that kind of preseason shine that he really had fell off pretty quickly. Um, and I don't know if he necessarily proved to the Bills that like he's their wide receiver too for sure. I mean, if they have a guy that falls to them, they should definitely draft another wide receiver. You got Stefan Diggs causing some drama as well. So I feel like their need to take a wide receiver early, you know, is, is really there. And if there's a case where Diggs stays and they draft a wide receiver early, Gabe Davis may, you know, fall into a wide receiver three type role if he's still relevant, you know, even there. He may end up having to get traded to kind of become more fantasy relevant again. So I think he has a lot to lose. You know, on the other side of it, unless Diggs is traded and they don't get another elite wide receiver, I don't see where he really goes up from here. I think if you're a guy who made a move on Gabe Davis last year, it's kind of a sunk cost and you just hope his situation gets better right now. Yeah, 100%. He is uh, certainly teetering on the edge of fantasy relevance right now. I actually think Gabe Davis would be a decent bounce back candidate because he'd probably fall in drafts to uh, you know where he should have been last year. Last year, he was more of a round four or five pick because of the breakout potential. But if you get him in round seven or eight and he's still the number two guy in Buffalo, I don't mind that. But yeah, I mean, if they go out and draft a first or second round wide receiver, that says a lot about what they think of him. So uh, yeah, Gabe Davis's value is certainly teetering right now going into the NFL draft could go one way or the other there. And like you said, there's not a ton of room for upside for him as of now. Uh, my third guy, and there's going to be a lot of guys that fall into this bucket. So I just chose a few of them that I found more fantasy relevant than others. That is Damian Pierce, running back for the Texans. Great year one for Pierce, uh, and you would not expect the Texans to think running back is a need after um, you know they showed after Pierce showed what he could do in year one, and the fact that they have a lot of other holes to plug. But we've seen this story play out before. Uh, when running backs have low draft capital like this, they are just replaceable. Uh, I think James Robinson a couple years ago, similar situation. Uh, he was actually an undrafted free agent, but he had a great year for a bad Jacksonville team, and they went out, paid a first-round price for Travis Etienne. So I could see the Texans spending first or second-round draft capital on a running back if they have a guy that they like that falls to them, and uh, that would spell 
big trouble for Damian Pierce and his value. Yeah, in both situations with Robinson and Pierce, you had a whole new coaching staff uh, come in and bring in a kind of a new philosophy to your team as well. So, you know, if there's another – if there's a running back that maybe plays similar to the way, you know, San, San Francisco ran their offense and that's what, you know, they want to bring over to Houston, you can see a very similar situation. I mean, with um, Urban Meyer, obviously got Trevor Lawrence and then got his guy from Clemson, and, you know, in the first round with ETN. So you can see something like that happen for Pierce. He's a guy that I have in a one one person keeper that I was considering, but um, I mean, I guess we could see because we could see if they draft anyone. But he just he's very risky because even if just low draft capital running backs are just risky, and I'm just going to actually roll that right over into my number three because he also somewhat fits. That's Isaiah Pacheco of the Kansas City Chiefs, my Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs. It kills me to say because I love watching the guy. I think he is one of the most fun running backs to watch, probably because he's on the team that I like to root for. But he just he's very quick. He just, you know, kind of just hits the hole as hard as he can and just goes straight in. Like he's just a very hard nosed running back. Very fun to watch. But he's not a pass catcher. Andy Reid's always looking for running backs who can catch balls out of the backfield. And, you know, they showed whenever they took Clyde, they're not afraid to take one higher in the draft than you probably should for that level of talent. So I'm a little bit concerned for him. If he makes it through the draft and they, you know, don't draft anyone of note, I think he's a, an established, you know, RB one slash two potentially more on the RB two side. But we'll we'll see what happens in the draft. He, I have a little bit of concern for him right now. Yeah, uh, definitely a good pick. Very similar to uh, the Damian Pierce line of thinking there. I think the best thing Isaiah Pacheco has going for him is Clyde Edwards-Elair. I I just don't see the Chiefs reaching again for another high draft capital running back after you know, they they flopped pretty hard on the Clyde Edwards-Elair selection a couple years ago. But you know, if Andy Reid likes a guy, he's going to go get him, and he's not going to care what anybody thinks because he makes it work. So um, you're right. If he uh, if he falls in love with one of these early running backs, then he could easily go take him if he thinks it's going to help the team. My fourth guy, another guy that falls right into this bucket, and he probably is the most vulnerable of the three that we have talked about so far. That's Tyler Algier running back for the Falcons, my boy, Tyler Algier. He had a great year one as a round five running back, but I'm going to use the same argument I just used. Uh, they're at sitting there at eight, prime Bijan Robinson territory, in my opinion, as we will see later when we do our top 10 mock. Uh, I, I just think that the Falcons, the way that their philosophy is, you know, with Arthur Smith wanting to just pound the ball down, down team's throat, uh, that it's very possible they go with a high draft capital running back. And Algier is not somebody that catches the ball out of the backfield a ton. And that, uh, you know, he needs he needs a decent amount of work to be re- fantasy relevant. So if they if they go out and get a first or second round running back, he is, uh, you know, almost irrelevant, basically a handcuff at that point. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you there. I mean, he's, yeah, those last three running backs, I'm not going to reiterate it. They all fall in very similar categories, so. Don't want to get into that rambling again. Let's go ahead and jump into my number four, Daniel Jones. So with Daniel Jones, I think he has more to gain than lose necessarily in the draft because you can only imagine the Giants have to add offensive weapons here. They started out pretty well adding Darren Waller, which I think is quite a big jump from their tight end position last year. Now they just need to you know address the lack of outside playmakers. They need some down-the-field threats for Daniel Jones. Maybe, you know, a speed guy, you know, someone who tries to play a Devontae Smith, Tyreek Hill slash rule that can catch the ball and make plays with it. I like a lot for their offense, things like that. I think, you know, he 
had value last year, I think, mostly due to his running ability. I think if he can get a couple of high-level playmakers and can develop his passing game a little bit more going into next year, he can kind of develop into a little bit more mobile version of Kirk Cousins and maybe have a slightly higher ceiling fantasy-wise than him. So I think Daniel Jones has a chance to make a decent step, and I think that starts with getting him you know, real NFL wide receivers that can stay healthy for a season and you know, help, help improve their offense. Yeah, I like this one quite a bit. You know, I, I went through a few different lists of players that uh, stood to gain or lose value to make my selections here, and I did not see Daniel Jones on there, but it does make a ton of sense. Uh, I think you're right. They definitely do have to try to add some pass catchers here. Probably the worst wide receiver core in the NFL, at least uh, at, towards the end of the year when they were riddled with injuries, and you know those guys might not be healthy to start this year. So they need to add more. And you're right, if they go out and uh, you know draft a second round wide receiver, or maybe you know add somebody else later in the draft, Daniel Jones's uh, stock could rise pretty heavily here. Um, my last tandem here is uh, from your Kansas City Chiefs. It's Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony who stand to be wide receivers one and two on this depth chart right now, as uh, you know, unlikely as that would have seemed going into the offseason. They both have real sneaky value with the current roster construction. There's going to be a ton of targets available for somebody. Obviously, Travis Kelsey will eat up a lot of them, but he's getting older at some point. You know, he's going to take a step back, whether you know he's not going to fall off a cliff most likely, but there's going to be a time where he cannot be the you know 150 target guy that he's been the past couple years. And uh, one of these two stands to benefit quite handsomely from that unless they go out and draft uh, a guy in rounds one or two that could really muddy the waters here. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know how old Travis Kelsey is? I think he's 34. He'll be, uh, be 34 by next playing season. So, gotcha. Yeah, that that caught me a little off off guard. I mean, I know he's been in the league for a little while, but I mean, you get north of 35 at the tight end position. That's that's getting up there, man. That's I mean, that's getting pretty yeah. Good. Tight ends, so, yeah. tight ends take a while to develop. I mean, even Travis Kelsey, who was entering goat territory for uh, for tight ends, you know, he didn't really have his first great year until he was let's see, 27. Is yeah. uh, he had two eight hundred yard years at twenty five and twenty six, but uh, yeah, tight ends you know take a little bit to develop, and for that, don't have as much longevity uh, generally. Obviously, there are outliers, but and clearly, Travis Kelsey seems to be one. But again, it's the the cliff will come at some point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my number five. I so number four. I'm glad you were real happy with because number five I just threw on here is kind of a conversation piece. So. Um, I'm just going to go with the whole Eagles offense. Now, not necessarily Jalen Hurts. I think he only stands to benefit for adding more weapons, obviously. But, you know, we got A.J. Brown. We got Devontae Smith. We got Dallas Goddard. We got, you know, they always seem to have a sneaky, decent wide receiver three. Now we're talking about adding Derrick Henry. You know, there's only so many points that the team can average over the course of a season. There's only so many fantasy points to go around. Do we feel like, you know, if they do make a move for Derrick Henry, you know, how much do you think this hampers Brown, Smith, and Goddard, if at all? I think Henry would not really hamper them too much. I find that the the buckets of running back points and wide receiver slash tight end points don't generally affect each other that much. I mean, Miles Sanders had 11, 12 touchdowns last year, 1,200, 1,400 yards, so... I'm not saying Derrick Henry wouldn't be better than that, but I'm not saying he's going to, you know, substantially outproduce what Miles Sanders and company uh, gave them. You know, maybe Jalen Hurts takes a step back with his rushing touchdowns, but 
Uh, I just think this is a fantastic offense that I want pieces of because if one of these guys gets hurt, we saw it last year when Goddard went down, Brown and Smith became elite options, both of them. Yeah, no, you you totally crapped on my number five right there. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty bad one. I, honestly, I, had four, I had four that I liked, and I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just going to save the Eagles offense. <laughs> I, I like right, conversations. Absolutely. All right, let's jump in. Obviously, I think the number one guy here, at least from a fantasy perspective, everyone wants to know where he's going. That's Bijan Robinson. So let's get into each of our favorite and least favorite spots for him. We'll go ahead and start here with your favorite, Nick. You know, there was a few favorites that I had. I think there's actually more favorites or there's more good spots for him than there are bad spots, which is good for Bijan Robinson's value. If you have to, you know, if you've had a dynasty draft that's already happened for whatever reason and you had to take him, I think you're, you know, there's most likely you come out on the good side of this thing. But uh, I went with the Tennessee Titans. I kind of went off the board a little bit just to kind of push the fact that I think this is actually somewhat possible. This is only if Derrick Henry is traded. Uh, so I just think, you know, Vrabel loves his bell cow backs, clearly. And we have a very, very minimal competition for touches if Henry leaves. And, you know, we've seen this concept play out already uh, for a couple of years before this with a very similar style of runner. And I think Bijan offers a little bit more uh, in the way of pass catching ability as well. So this would just be a great spot for him with a very smart coach and Mike Vrabel who would uh, figure out how to use him. Yeah, and I mean, the Tennessee Titans already did this with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. I believe they overlapped for one year, maybe two. Maybe two. I mean, they basically, they brought in, you know, they had DeMarco Murray and then they brought in Derrick Henry. And I mean, now this is kind of expediting it, but I do think that, you know, if you're going to do it, Bijan would be the guy to do it with. He seems to be the most well-rounded prospect, you know, for, I mean, running backs, I guess since Saquon, but I, I would say he's probably better than Saquon if you just kind of look back at it. I think they're very similar uh, but, prospects, but yeah, I, you could yeah. argue that. Very similar, yeah. Uh, my favorite, so I'm I'm not going to lie, Derrick Henry gets traded. I love the Tennessee Titans, especially if you're someone who's already had to draft them or you have the first overall pick in a dynasty or, you know, whatever kind of, like our, our mini dynasty, the 101 should probably be Bijan, depending on who gets put back out there. Um, so, yeah, I think that if he goes to the Titans, that's awesome. Mine is a little bit you know, rougher because we've seen them kind of go through a little bit of a carousel, but I'm just going to say the Buffalo Bills, you know, you're going to have to pay first round draft capital to get this guy. Now in this scenario, he either has to fall or the Bills are trading up for a running back, which I don't think I'd ever suggest someone do. So a little bit far-fetched, I think at this point with how, where Bijan's stock is, I think he's going to go higher than I think most teams would want to draft him, but you're going to have to, if you want the guy. Um, but if the Bills were able to get them, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills have come out this offseason and said they need to build a run game. They got to change the offense up. Allen can't be taking all these hits, can't be lowering his shoulder, you know, 30 times over the course of the season. I think Bijan's easily the most plug and play guy. Put him in that offense. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, which they like to do a lot. And he can also be their downfield or downhill runner that, you know, you could say that they've kind of had, but they really haven't had there in Buffalo. Yeah, I like the Bills. I think this would be a little bit of a high floor, low ceiling play for Bijan, in my opinion, uh, because this, his upside as far as pass catching would be a little bit capped with the fact that Josh Allen's a running quarterback and the fact that they have James Cook on this roster, who was a pretty high draft capital running back himself last year. And, um, you know, you can talk all you want about wanting to, to take less hits if you're Josh Allen, but at the end of the day, you know, if it's third and eight, 
and he sees the lane. I don't think he's dumping it off to the running back. He's just going to get that first down. It's just kind of how it goes for these guys. But uh, I do think, you know, he'd be on a fantastic offense. He'd score a ton of touchdowns. So it would be a very fine landing spot for B. John Robinson, probably better in years two, three, and four than in year one, uh, just because they have Damian Harris and uh, James Cook in the fold, uh, at least this year. My least favorite spot, and I kind of want to just put this one out there. So I get a little credit for calling it if it does happen. Uh, that will help ease my pain a little bit, but this one keeps me up at night. I have nightmares about this. It's the Seattle Seahawks. They have an extra first-round pick that my Denver Broncos were uh, nice enough to give them in the top five. I don't think they'd take him there, but if Bijan does fall to 20 and you know Seahawks have already gotten their blue-chip guy at five, I'm terrified Pete Carroll would just want to you know, go all in on the run game. It would take Bijan to pair with Ken Walker, and it would probably kill both of their value, uh, at least long-term, for fantasy. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's definitely a non-zero possibility. And just, just please, please, Seattle, just don't, don't do that. Don't do that to me. Yeah, I I mean, you nailed it with having the extra first-round pick because my issue with a lot of, you know, these draft scenarios with Bijan getting taken is, you know, if you're taking them, I think 15, you know, one through 15, a running backs a little dicey. Now this draft from what, you know, what I would say the experts are saying is it's not as deep as most drafts are. So you may only have 15 or 20 true first round grades as opposed to a full 31 picks that we'll see. So I think if you're able to get them in the teens to twenties, I think that's where teams would be like, yeah, let's jump on him. He's the most talented guy easily. If you get them earlier than that, I think you're taking a pretty big risk for a running back. I mean, we just see that over the course of time, it does not end up playing out well for you to draft one that early. So I, I'm just a little long, I'm a little stuck on the whole Bijan thing. I, that's probably my most interesting draft thing going into this week is I just want to know how what team is willing to pull the trigger on a running back that early still. And I think he's the guy to find that kind of find that line because he's so good. Yeah, and, the high and low end of where he could go is really wide, probably wider than any other first round caliber, you know, talent that is out there right now. Yeah, I could see him going, you know, top seven or eight, and I could see him falling into the twenties. Yeah. As I, say, I don't want to kill our mock draft, but I mean like where he's going in our mock draft, I wouldn't like your points that you made. I'm like, yeah, I 100% could see that happening. But I also like in my mind, if I was in an NFL team, I'd be like, there's no freaking way we're taking a running back at that pick right now. I totally there's agree no with shot. that. So I, yeah, it's, and that fascinates me. And then I'm kind of just building off of what you said with, uh, with the Seahawks and that's the chargers. I'm an Austin Eckler owner in multiple leagues. So, I mean, if he ends up going to the chargers and Eckler either becomes a one, two punch or Eckler gets traded to a team that, you know, isn't, doesn't have Justin Herbert, it's a huge loss for him. So Eckler has been elite. Hopefully they, you know, pass on Bijan and he remains elite. But if Bijan goes there, that is my nightmare for sure. Yeah, I think the Chargers and the Seahawks were the only two teams I could realistically see drafting Bijan that I considered for my least favorite, so you nailed it there. I think, uh, at least for Bijan, on that point, it would be good for him long-term. This year, if Eckler was still in the fold, it would be pretty bad. It'd be really tough to trust him. Uh, I would not know how they would split that workload up. Uh, but moving forward, he'd be paired with a great quarterback, and they have a pretty good offensive line as well. So I think years two, three, and four would be pretty good for Bijan in uh, in L.A., but yeah, year one would be pretty horrible for both of them, and uh, yeah, it would definitely kill Austin Eckler's stock. So I hope it happens. <laughs> 
absolutely that's that's wonderful love to hear that (laughs) yeah no problem buddy i got you all right uh before we start uh, our top 10 mock draft here i'm going to give my favorite nfl draft prop out there and uh this is also spoiling one of my picks but it is jalen carter as the number five pick off the board to the Seattle Seahawks. It doesn't actually have to be to the Seattle Seahawks. He just has to be the number five pick at plus 600. I think it makes a ton of sense. I will lay that out later why. Uh, Spoiler alert, I have him going number five to the Seahawks. And an honorable mention, I actually just uh, noticed this one right before we started recording here. This is a parlay of Bryce Young to the Panthers, which is basically a guarantee. And Will led us to the Colts at plus 120. I think both of these things uh, on their own are incredibly likely. Bryce Young is basically a 99% chance. And Levis to the Colts, I would say, is better than a coin flip. So if you're giving me you know, one virtual guarantee and one 60% chance at plus money, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the plus 120 because I think I – think I'm shocked the it's Colts a plus 120. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Bryce Young, the Panthers is minus two thousand. I believe you have down yeah, here. Yeah, that's so, I mean, that's the guarantee. The NFL getting plus two thousand one hundred and twenty on Levis to the Colts. If you, you know, really, I, I, that's crazy to me. So yeah, I love that one. I could not figure out a great draft prop. Um, we'll get into pick number one. My great draft prop of this season just as blown up in my face a little bit here with old Anthony Richardson. I thought, it was a, I thought there was a chance he was going to go number one, but he, the uh, price, if you, the price you got it at was good. I think it was sound, yeah. sound betting. So I, you don't yeah, beat yourself up absolutely. there. I will say if you, if you're someone who has just rode Bryce Young and you just bet Bryce Young at every step of the way, congrats to you. Cause when, you know, when they yeah. first traded up, it was all CJ Stroud and mm-hmm. I think Bryce Young got to like plus 300, plus 400, plus 500. Oh, yeah, he was up there. Books to be the number one pick. Like, And if you kept hammering that, like, congrats, man. You're going to have a sweet freaking payday, at least with the way all reports are looking. I mean, if someone else goes number one, that little 10 seconds is going to look real stupid. But it seems like he's going number one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think even, you know, two weeks ago, you could have gotten him at plus 200 at least. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm beating myself up. I really considered taking that ticket. And, um, you know, I, I like Stroud better personally. Uh, so I did not end up making that bet. But uh, it seems like it's basically going to be young for sure at number one now. So, yeah, if you if you made that bet good on you, you had the stones to stick with your, uh, your gut there. So let's just roll that into the mock draft here. Number one, we have the Panthers taking Bryce Young. I, uh, you know, there, there was debate for a while as to who the pick would be here, as we just said, but his odds are minus 2000. It's basically a guarantee. I'd love to be fun and, you know, try to call my shot on some long shot number one pick, but that would just be screwing up the rest of this draft, to be honest with you. So, uh, we're just not going to go that route. Number two, this might be a surprise to some people, uh, at least at the pick, uh, the, the, I'm going to have a projected trade up here. The Colts are going to move from four to two and select Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback. Just a few weeks ago, he was the one that was falling as far as his, uh, draft stock goes, but he has the lowest odds at minus one thirty in the draft world. That is a pretty big favorite, especially if it's not number one, because, uh, you know, there's always the chance that he goes number one, however slight it is. Um, and that impacts packs the odds there but minus 130 says that they are pretty confident will levis is going to go number two to somebody and the colts have been the team that's been rumored to like him the most so i could easily see them moving up a couple spots throwing the texans a future second round pick and uh you know getting their guy 
Yeah, I I don't mind this if I'm the Colts. I mean, if you only have to trade up and give up, you know, a next either a second this year or something like that, then yeah, I would go ahead and do it and just secure the guy you like. I mean, I think I believe rumors have come out that their ownership loves Levis, so yeah, I mean, we know how the ownership in Indy operates. If it's only a second round pick to go up there and get the guy you want, I think they do it in a heartbeat. So maybe a second um, and, and fourth, but that's that's pennies. Yeah. If, you're, if you want to get your guy, you go get your guy. Exactly. I mean, look at everything the Panthers gave up to be able to move up from nine to one. I mean, if you're giving up a fraction of that, I know it's only two spots, but you get to get your guy. You know, you I, I do that in a heartbeat. So I like that for sure. Number three, I have another projected trade here. Uh, the Raiders are moving up to three. I think it's far more likely someone other than the Cardinals makes this pick at three. This is the selection that makes the most sense to trade out of because there isn't really a general consensus on who the best player in the draft beyond quarterbacks is. It's really gone back and forth between Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson has really made a move up the board recently. So I think it makes a ton of sense for Arizona to trade back into the back half of the uh, of the top 10 here and pick up some capital from the Raiders. And the Raiders take QB Anthony Richardson from Florida. Uh, this, this, this lines up with what the Raiders usually do uh, historically. Their franchise usually takes swings on big athletic players, not always at the quarterback position, although they did draft Jamarcus Russell one once upon a time, who kind of fits this bill. Huge athletic guy. Didn't work out so well for them, but still, the Raiders like to take big swings, and they already have a bridge quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo on a short-term deal. Anthony Richardson will need a year or two to develop. Has Josh McDaniels as a head coach, who is a good offensive mind. I think this uh, this lines up pretty well. Yeah, I think if you're the Raiders, it's a little bit over, you know, I, I actually, I mean, if you if you love Richardson, then I understand making this move. I think if you're just making this move because you feel like you need to get a quarterback this year, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that then. But if Richardson you feel like can be that guy, I mean, you're in a division with Mahomes and Herbert, and, I mean, if Sean Payton can turn Russ around, we know what he could potentially be. So you need a potential superstar at that position to compete, you know, not only in the AFC but your division. So if they feel like he's that guy, I don't mind the move. Um, from the Raiders' perspective, if you're only doing it because you feel like you need a quarterback, then – I think I just waited seven and drafted a different a different position. But I if they like if they love Richardson, I could definitely see this would be a Raiders move for sure. Yeah, it comes down to what Josh McDaniels thinks of him probably. I don't think they're gonna draft the guy if uh, Josh does not give them the A OK on it. So um, who knows what his actual opinion is of Anthony Richardson. It doesn't really fit with the mold of, you know, the Tom Brady offense of the quick, accurate short area passes. That's Pretty much the opposite of what Anthony Richardson does well at this point in his career, but uh, his upside is pretty, you know, it's it's absolutely in the stratosphere. So I could see him falling in love with him. And I could also see either team at five or six, the Seahawks or the Lions, trading up and making this selection as well. Both of them, again, have short-term uh, contracts for their current quarterbacks that aren't necessarily franchise guys in golf and uh, Geno Smith. All right. Number four, this is uh, the probably most mad scientist I'm going to get as far as uh, the top 10 mock here is concerned. I have the Vikings trading up from 23 to number four to take quarterback C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. There's been a lot of steam about Kirk Cousins getting traded in recent days. Um, I think the the San Francisco 49ers, it makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, this Basically, Kirk Cousins would end up being a better version of what they've had with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy the past couple of years. 
and uh, Vikings would able would be able to recoup some of the draft capital they'd have to give up here. It would be a ton. And uh, I really think this just comes down to the Texans not loving any quarterback other than Bryce Young. Uh, it just There's been a lot of steam about them wanting to trade down from two. And if they trade down from two, they might as well trade down from four because, like you said, this draft um, – not the deepest, but also there's not a ton of consensus as to who you know the blue chip players are at the top. So I could easily see them trading down and just picking up draft capital in future years. You still have the number 12 pick. You'd still be able to get a premium asset. You'd have the 23 uh, in this, this year's draft as well, plus at least two firsts and probably some extra picks as well from the Vikings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if the Vikings are going up from 23 to four, I mean, they're giving up a haul to be able to do so. So yeah, if you're, if you're the Texans, you almost couldn't say no to that in the position that you're in, because there's a chance. I mean, if they go out and get CJ Stroud, that they're a, you know, below 500 football team next year and you have a great first round pick from the Vikings. So, you know, that's 100% in the cards. You've got to do it. If you're the Texans, if you're the Vikings, I know that they kind of came out like there's a lot of talks about them moving up to draft a quarterback. I think if I'm the Vikings, I'm seeing what the price is to go to the Texans at number two and get ahead of the Colts, get ahead of the Raiders, get ahead of anyone who's going to take a guy that you want. Because if you wait to wait, if you wait to see who falls at number four, you either have to be okay with any of them falling or just get lucky and the one you really want falls for you and you get them there. So if you're the Vikings, you're serious about getting a quarterback. I would take a look at number two and, you know, it honestly, and it, it, it may actually be a lot more to go up from number four to number two, just because at number four, you're stuck with one selection at quarterback at number two, you know, is it worth an extra first to get your pick? It potentially is what it can come down to as crazy as that is. But yeah, I, the Vikings, I see making a move for sure. It's just how they do. It's going to be very interesting. Am I, it, it's just very, very interesting. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there on the Vikings side. I don't think I really gave my uh, my piece on why I think the Vikings should do this, uh, other than the Kirk Cousins side of things. But um, I think this would be a draft day trade. I think this would be a trade that you know gets worked out before the draft starts, and they say, you know, if our guy falls to four, I believe Stroud makes the most sense for them because he is the most NFL ready of these guys, other than Bryce Young. But they're not going to get him. Um, I think the Vikings would say to uh, the Texans or whoever has that fourth pick. You know, if if you're willing to do the deal, here's the you know here are the details. And if Stroud falls there, we'll take him, and we will you know trade you whatever the package ends up being. But we talked about this before the podcast started. Uh, the fact that they're going to have to you know pay Justin Jefferson a pretty penny in the coming years makes it more likely that they're not going to go into any sort of rebuild. So I think they got to take their shot on finding a franchise guy. Kirk Cousins, 35 years old, just really hasn't gotten it done for them in the past five years, and I doubt that you know moving into his late 30s he is going to be able to, to find an extra gear so if you're the vikings you're really just taking your shot trying to find your franchise guy and hoping to appease justin jefferson and keep him around long term yeah absolutely let's let's be careful though because the last thing i need is anthony richardson throwing the ball to justin jefferson Oof. this year Bijan robinson joining the uh chargers and then we got we got saquon holding out on uh, in new york up there so Right. I see my team falling apart before my eyes, but no, the, the Vikings got to make a move for future years. I mean, if they can, if they can trade Kirk, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't blame them for making that move at all. Get what you can for them, and I mean, if you can get them over to San Francisco, because San Francisco's really doesn't have that great of picks to trade. Maybe you get a player from San Francisco, you know, a defensive player or something like that to bring back. Like I could see that working out pretty well for the Vikings. 
Yeah, I think if you're a Justin Jefferson owner, you'd love the C.J. Stroud pick, too, because he is a pocket passer. Uh, he's pretty accurate and, again, NFL-ready. So I think he That's could true. replicate Kirk Cousins' production, maybe not year one, but pretty quickly. And I think Justin Jefferson would become his best friend. All right, number five. Uh, not quite as fun as my number three and number four picks. I've already given it away. It's Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia. The fit is pretty seamless here. Carroll has had a ton of success with perceived character issue guys in the past, and they were horrible at defending the run last year. Uh, he's been consensus uh, for some for some people, the number one overall player in this draft as far as grades go. So it just lines up pretty heavily here between uh, you know the, the character issue thing, Pete Carroll, and the fact that they really do need uh, a great defensive tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, part of, you know, being good with character issue guys is you bring them up to Seattle. There's not as much going on as, you know, down in Georgia where you're the you know king of the campus or, yep. you know, if you get drafted out to a, a Vegas or Los Angeles, somewhere like that, where you just constantly have stuff to get you in trouble. It's a lot different when you go to Seattle and it's raining every single day and there's really not much else to focus on besides football. So that's a good point. I love this for Jalen Carter. I think this could be ultimately what's best for his career because He's an, he's an extreme mega talent and with character issues, which can always just be, you know, the downfall of those kind of guys. So get him somewhere where he can focus on football and football is his number one priority. And I think he's, you know, Hall of Fame level talent, which is, you know, probably one of few guys in this draft that you could say that out of. Yeah, plus 600. Go put a sprinkle on that. I think it's pretty likely. Uh, number six, the Lions take defensive back Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Not the pick I would make. The Lions seem to have zeroed in on their guy here. His odds are at minus 130 to go six overall. Uh, that is wild to me because uh, to be that heavy of an odd at this far down the board, I know six doesn't seem like a far way down the board, but... There are just so many things that could happen in between one and five, between the Lions trading up and, you know, kind of ruining the the steam that is perceived here and the fact that, you know, some team could reach on Witherspoon if they really like him. Uh, the fact that he is this heavy on the odds makes it seem like the Lions uh, have really zeroed in on their guy here. I, I really, I, those odds just really jumped off the page to me. I don't have a ton of actual football reasons other than the fact that the Lions do need help on the defense. You know, any pieces that they can get, I would, uh, I'd be okay with. I'd probably go Will Anderson here if it was me, but uh, it seems like the Lions have found their guy. Yeah, minus one thirty odds is wild. So I'm not going to add too much more to this, other than I, I mean, this may just be a weird way of thinking, but I never even knew there was an elite defensive prospect at the University of Illinois, and we are Midwestern <laughs> guys, so that like. How he's going number six in the draft is kind of beyond me. I'm with you. Give me Will Anderson. Give me one of these, you know, offensive linemen or something like that. I That's the part that I really can't get over when I'm looking at these mocks is I like – I mean, I, I have people who retweet the University of Illinois stuff into my Twitter feed, and I never knew that they had an elite, you know, NFL draft pros, prospect. And that's maybe bad on me, but – you know, to see the Lions this zeroed in on a guy that I'm hearing of for the first time, you know, the past couple of weeks is a little surprising, to say the least. Obviously, yeah, and not, if the quarterback drops, I think their pick changes a little bit, but I don't yeah. know if there's going to be a quarterback at number six. No, I don't think so either. And uh, not even the number one consensus defensive back in this class either. I think Christian Gonzalez is ahead of him on a lot of boards I've seen. So 
very surprising to see his odds that heavily favored uh, towards the Lions here, but it seems like that's the way they're going to go. Pairing Will Anderson and uh, Aiden Hutchinson seems tantalizing oh, to me, so but sick. Yeah, yeah, seems like uh, seems like they have found their guy in Detroit as long as he's still there at six. Uh, number seven, the Cardinals draft aforementioned Will Anderson from Alabama. I think this would be a giant win for the Cardinals. This is probably the guy they would take at three, and they get him at seven, plus whatever draft capital they pick up from uh, Las Vegas. So I think this is just a, a great fit for a Cardinals team that could probably pick just about any position other than quarterback, and they'd be filling a need because they need uh, a lot across the board here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go down from three to seven and you get the guy you wanted at number three, that's a huge W. So if you do that, that's amazing. If you trade down from three to seven, and let's say Will Anderson does get taken by the Lions instead of uh, you know Devin Weatherspoon, then I would I could see the Cardinals trading back down again. They need to acquire as much young talent as possible. So if they wanted to trade down multiple times, I would not be against that whatsoever. Number eight, I gave this one away earlier as well, but I have the Falcons taking running back B. John Robinson from Texas. Again, uh, this is not the pick I would necessarily make, and I think they might think twice about it if four QBs go ahead of them and the Lions reach a little bit on Witherspoon because there's a lot of talent left on the board here, but... This is just, uh, a, it just seems like a solid landing spot as far as fit and scheme goes. Arthur Smith loves to run the ball. He loves to run the ball even when he's down 21 points in the third quarter. So going out and getting one of the best running back prospects of the past five to 10 years makes a whole lot of sense for the Falcons uh, just in general. Again, not the pick I would make necessarily because they have cheaper options that probably can handle the load here from the running back position, but I could easily see the Falcons making this pick. Yep. I, I mean, again, this is what I didn't want to spoil earlier. I think taking Bijan at number eight is completely reckless. And if you do not have a good team within the next couple of years, and there's a couple of really good offensive linemen, defensive linemen, other prospects that get taken after number eight, I think that's an easy way to get fired. So I think it's very risky, but, I mean, the head coach loves to run the football. He probably wants to build a Tennessee-style offense that he had with Derrick Henry. Easiest way to do that is go get yourself a potential Derrick Henry-level running back, even potentially a better pass catcher than he was. So, yeah, if that's what the if that's what the Falcons want to, you know, dig their heels in and really bear down and go for, then go for it. But it's got to work out and probably, you know, shortens your clock as a coach and GM if some of the other players after them start to hit quite a bit. Yeah, 100%. I'd love to mock a quarterback to the Falcons, maybe a trade up into the top, uh, you know, four or five to go get one of these guys. But I have just seen zero steam uh, that the Falcons are anywhere interested in that. Uh, they seem content to go into the season with Desmond Ritter for whatever reason. But um, I think if it was you or Caleb me. Williams. Is that reason? <laughs> uh, well, I just don't think they're going to be bad enough. It's just like last year; they they ended up, you know, winning seven games. Arthur That's Smith, fair. for uh, you know the questionable decisions he makes in game, he does uh, scheme up run. Uh, his his run schemes are good, and I think he'll win too many games, especially in a really bad division, to be in uh, you know shouting distance of Caleb Williams. Unfortunately, but uh, yeah, if it was me or you, I imagine we'd be trading up into the top four and trying to go get one of these quarterbacks, but. Um, at the very least, not taking Bijan Robinson at eight, but I believe the Falcons are likely to do this. Number nine, 
Uh, Chicago Bears, offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. There's a few guys they could take in this position, and I wouldn't mind it. I really think they need offensive line help. I just uh, I just hope that's where they go here. Skaronsky, Darnell Wright, Paris Johnson Jr., not a ton of consensus as to who's the best option there, but they could take any one of those three guys, and I would be just fine with it as a Justin Fields dynasty owner. I really hope that they address their offensive line not once but even twice in the first uh, round or two here. So uh, I think this is just a, uh, a really good fit. Unless Jalen Carter falls this far, I think uh, I think this is the pick for the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Taylor Lewan was – he obviously has his own podcast, but he was also on uh, the NFL Network during the draft while they were doing offensive line – not the draft, sorry, the uh, combine while doing offensive line drills. And he said Paris Johnson's like one of the best, like highest ceiling left tackles that he has seen coming out of college in a while. So – and I'm not going to spoil the next pick, but I kind of think that if they fall 9-10 and 10, the way these two are falling, it falls perfectly for both these teams. Do you get the potential high-ceiling guy with a team that can take a year to grow? Like They're not going to have insanely high expectations next year. If he needs a year to you know develop into that NFL left tackle, that's fine. And then we can kind of roll this right into your number 10 pick because I think this is the, a perfect pick for the Eagles if he ends up falling to 10. Yeah, that is the aforementioned Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. Uh, the Eagles are usually very smart drafters. They don't reach on skill position players very often, unless you know a Devonte Smith level talent falls to them in the uh, you know at the eleventh pick, like he did uh, a couple years ago. With uh, Dillard leaving this offseason, their depth got a little bit shorter. Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, uh, they are on the uh, you know back end of their careers, so. Beefing up the offensive line with a blue chip talent and Peter Skaronsky makes all the sense in the world. Uh, if I was, you know, if I was a GM, I think I would operate much, uh, much like Howie Roseman does. He takes a lot of uh, players in the trenches in his first round picks, which he should. I think that is uh, the key to winning in today's NFL is to own the line of scrimmage. And uh, yeah, this is just uh, somebody that could easily play guard for them right off the jump and just kind of jump around the line a little bit. And then, you know, his, his uh, year two, three, and four, he can take over uh, one of the tackle spots. And I think he'd, uh, he'd fit in seamlessly. Yeah. So going back to what Taylor Lewan was saying about these offensive linemen, he does think Skaronsky is the most polished offensive lineman straight out the draft. That's a perfect plug and play fit for the Eagles. You don't really need, you know, they don't need a player that they need to develop for a year or two. They want someone they can throw right into that offensive line and they can, you know, steam steamroll like they were last year. So I think nine and ten falls that way. They would be extremely happy with that. That would be perfect for them. Um, but yeah, I mean that's one through ten. I mean, what's crazy is I, I feel good about these one through ten, and they could all be they could all get messed up with just one oh, yeah. potential trade up or something like that that you know just kind of comes out of left field. I think this is going to be one of the most – like last year's draft did not have a lot of steam to it because quarter the quarterbacks weren't interesting and there wasn't a lot of hype around them going very high in the draft. So there was a lot of skill positions, a lot of other positions. Like quarterbacks are at the forefront of this draft and they're going to be at the forefront of next year's draft with at least two guys coming out. So yeah, it's, cra- it's, it's crazy all the teams that are going to, in the talks to potentially move up to take these guys. I, I cannot wait for Thursday night. Also, yeah, so Mike many different draft options. Thursday night. I forgot. I oh, yeah. to say that it's in, in KC. So, yeah. They had a little hometown draft. Hopefully going to end up making it out there. Um, just it's going to be a madhouse out there. I can only imagine how crazy it's going to be. So Yeah. But Codes, if you get, uh, 
you get boots on the ground, you gotta take us a little little TikTok at least. Maybe get uh, oh. try to try to juice some juice some views for us with uh, yeah. an on site NFL draft video. There we go. Maybe that'll that's what we need. Honestly, that'll get that'll be the first viral one. For we'll All right. right, let's get out of here. We got some playoff sports to watch. Peace out, everybody. See you guys.